I really wasn't sure. Sorry. It's because I can't see. I've got glasses for me. I really wasn't sure what I was going to share this morning or what we would do this morning. The Lord had um, impressed something on me, and listening to Brian, I, I realized actually this is exactly in the flow of what God has been saying. I'm only going to take 15 minutes, okay? Uh, maybe 17. And then uh, uh, we'll pray and we're going to hit the road. But I want to send you out. That's what Brian finished on last night about here I am, send me. And we're a sent people. Sent to engage in Christ's mission. Actually, Christ is on a mission. Continues. That's what Book of Acts is about. The continuing mission of Jesus but through his church, through his body on earth. And um, so Brian, you know, talked about, what did he talk about? What was the first message on? Rest. What's the second one on? Freedom. We really talk about our identity in that. Uh, those talks. And then the third one was purpose. But for purpose, we need what? We need an encounter. We need power. That's what we need. And that's where actually he ended up um, last night. And so I just want to pick it up from there, really. Um, so I'm going to sound like a cracked record. If you remember records, I'm going to sound like a cracked record to Dave Hill. Because this is the message that always seems to come out. Um, that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I think more than ever, it feels to me, uh, what we need is the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to make converts, plant churches, see any kind of change in our society, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? As Zechariah prophesied, right? it's not by might, it's not by our power, it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. It's by my Spirit. So I want to just tell you a story and, uh, and then we'll look at scripture and then we'll pray. And uh, a story to illustrate this, really, because it's uh, about uh, a guy I love called uh, W.F.P. Burton. And so if you're from my church, you would have heard me talk about him before. But you won't find a whole lot about him out there. But he was one of the great pioneer missionaries, affectionately known as Willie Burton. Willie Burton. Uh, born in Liverpool and to a sea captain, this was his father. He actually had a very privileged upbringing. And uh, he excelled at sport, uh, but like many in his generation at that time, uh, he had no interest in spiritual things. Because it was the beginning of the 20th century, and it was really an age of optimism, progress, luxury, uh, and loose living. And uh, he was very much a child of his age. Uh, he went to college. And in 1905, he was there in college uh, doing a degree in um, electrical engineering. And an American called um, R.A. Torrey uh, was in town. R.A. Torrey was known for his association with D.L. Moody. And uh, Torrey was touring Britain doing a series of evangelistic meetings on college campuses and he spoke at 
uh, Willie's college. And uh, Willie went along to a meeting, invited by someone, and there he came under conviction. And he said it was a few days later that he just simply knelt by his bedside, confessed his sins to Jesus, uh, put his faith in him, and he said peace just flooded his heart. And over the next couple of years, um, he and his friends began hearing news coming across from the United States about an outpouring of the Spirit at a place called Azusa Street in LA. And uh, how God was just moving powerfully there. And signs and wonders and all kinds of things that were going on. And so it just put a hunger in his soul uh, to see that happening. And so he and his friends, they began meeting virtually every night for months to study the Bible, to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and to pray. And by the end of the year, he and his friends had all been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, uh, he, at that point in time, actually felt that uh, he should give up his job in the job at that time. I felt God was calling him to live by faith. And so he did that. For the next three years, he lived by faith, preaching in homes, uh, preaching outdoors in the open, uh, wherever God kind of led him. But ultimately, it was Africa he felt God was calling him to. Ever since he got converted, and it seems his mum, way back, even before he was born, or, you know, while he was in the womb, praying that he would go to Africa. And he felt called to Africa. And so, in 1914, he left everything behind and went to the Congo region uh, of Central Africa, where he was to form the Congo Evangelistic Mission and spent most of the rest of his life there. Uh, when he arrived, it was uncharted territory, that re particular region, where he encountered many challenges. I mean, malaria, witchcraft, cannibalism. Um, but when he left in around 1960, there were over a thousand churches with indigenous leaders, 43,000 believers, 75 traveling evangelists, 14 mission stations, as well as hospitals and schools. I mean, just amazing. You won't read a whole lot about him. There's one kind of uh, um, major paper about him that's out there. Uh, but he wrote a number of books himself, uh, one of which is called Signs Following, uh, which he wrote to uh, convince his uh, people he knew, who uh, Christians who were not believing for signs and wonders and for God to do these things today, so to counter the unbelief. Uh, but that's how it was accomplished there in Africa. This is what he said. Let me read this. He said, when I came to Central Africa, it was with the fixed idea that we were to fulfill the command of the Lord Jesus to his first disciples when he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, Luke 9.2. That's what Jesus did, sent out his disciples, that's what he said we must do. And so he says, in some 1,500 villages of Lubaland and Songiland, which is this area in the Congo, we, he says, we have placed our hands upon the sick in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
And of course, he responded by healing them. And he says, I doubt if any one of those 1,500 villages have been without such supernatural healings. That's how that amazing work was accomplished. Just literally doing what Jesus told his disciples to do. Laying hands on the sick, people get healed, gets them a hearing, preach the good news of Jesus. People get saved. Um, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can hear stories like that, can't we? And we think, well, that's Africa. Well, that's China. That's Asia or South America, you know. Um, maybe they're more open to the supernatural there. But it's a little harder here. So let me just tell you a couple of stories about how God used Willie Burton in some sleepy English villages in the three years before he went to Africa. Okay? So one day in 1913, Willie Burton was on vacation uh, with a friend in this little village in a place called Staffordshire, Staffordshire in England. Uh, it's a little village. He was a complete stranger there. Didn't know anything about this uh, village. Though he found out later that this dear old lady in the village had been praying for revival for years. Um, because this village was spiritually dead. Uh, there were two Methodist churches, one on either side of the main street. Because a number of years back, there'd been this um, rift, scandal that caused a rift. And so half of the church left and they built another church building on the other side of the road. So you've got two churches opposite one another and they didn't talk to one another. And neither church had seen one person come to faith in 11 years. This dear old lady is praying for her village, praying for her churches. And uh, it seems that God sent Willie Burton in response. Of course, Willie didn't know that. He was there on vacation. And so one morning, Willie Burton went to the butcher's shop to buy some meat. And there he was in line waiting, and there in front of him was a customer who was deaf and who was struggling to hear and to be heard. And Willie Burton did something which he said later on, as he looked back on this, he was shocked at how reckless he had been. And the only way he could explain why he did what he did was he said, I was just compelled by the Holy Spirit. Because what he did was he placed his hands on this woman's ears standing in front of him and commanded her to hear in the name of Jesus that her hearing would be restored. He didn't say, excuse me, ma'am, would you mind if I prayed for you? He didn't ask her permission. He just, she was struggling to be heard. And I don't know when he got frustrated. He just clapped his hands on her ears. In the name of Jesus, let the hearing be restored. And suddenly she could hear. To the amazement of everyone in the butcher shop. And because it was such a small village, news got out all over the village. And so these two Methodist churches asked Willie Burton whether he would come and preach uh, and have this lady share her testimony of what happened. 
bear witness to it. And so they did on different evenings because the churches didn't talk to one another. And so on different evenings they spoke in these churches and each church service was packed. People from the village all came to listen to this amazing thing because they knew this woman. And uh, as a result of that, uh, God moved powerfully in both churches because many came forward to be saved at the end. And as a result, the rift between the two churches was healed because they had to begin working together to minister to this spiritually awakened village. True story. Isn't that amazing? Let me tell you another story. Because it's a little later, the same year, right? Willie was back home after his vacation uh, in, the, in a little town called Lytham on the coast of Lancashire in England, where he was pastoring this small group of believers. And each week they would have these open air meetings out on the promenade. Or if you're from New Jersey, it'd be like the boardwalk. And they'd have open air kind of just stand in a circle, worship together, pray, you know, preach the gospel kind of thing. And uh, so they were doing that one day, and this elderly lady amongst them suddenly broke out in speaking in tongues. And it sounded this really strange language, and especially coming out of this little old lady's mouth. Um, and it certainly wasn't something she was used to doing. In fact, she'd never really contributed anything to their gatherings before. She was actually um, quite uneducated and shy. And so this was a big surprise to Willie Burton and to everyone present, including the lady herself. She began speaking out in this really strange sounding tongue. But you see, it attracted a group of passers-by, kind of observing or hearing this phenomenon. What, it must have looked very odd coming out of this little old English lady's mouth. So this crowd started to gather. And um, Willie said you'd normally expect people to be mocking and laughing, but actually they were standing in awe of what they were seeing. And then to his surprise, Willie found himself giving the interpretation to the tongue. And he began to speak of Jesus in a way that clearly moved the crowd. Uh, in fact, one of the, the bystanders there began to cry out in agony of sorrow. Um, he was an alcoholic, had lost his tailoring business to, to drink. But here he was on this day, stone cold sober, and came under conviction and he just broke through the circle and just fell to his knees in the middle and began to crying out to be saved. And so they were able to minister to this man. Well, there also happened to be a Japanese engineer in the crowd who was visiting the town on business. And he went straight back to his landlady at the house where he was staying and asked, who are these people who are, you know, gathering there on the uh, promenade? She said, oh, they're just a bunch of fanatics who want to convert everyone. And he said, well, that may be the case. 
I've just saw this little old English lady speak in perfect Japanese without any accent at all. And she was talking about Christ and him dying in our place. And then there was this man who gave the exact translation in English. And of course, neither Willie Burton nor this lady knew any Japanese. Uh, Willie said later, he said, I remember that while she was speaking, I thought, can that actually be a real language? And I was not expecting to get the interpretation. It just came absolutely spontaneously. So here was a case of both tongues and interpretation recognized, and as a result, a precious soul eternally saved. See, healings, signs and wonders. And that's what we see, isn't it, in the book of Acts. That's right out of the book of Acts, that kind of stuff. But it only happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, when the early church uh, faced opposition and threats from the rulers and the authorities, it's because they were healing the sick and preaching Jesus to the crowds who gathered in amazement at what was happening. And the church's response to the threat of those authorities was to pray for God to give them boldness and to use them to do more signs and wonders. And this is what it says, and Brian referred to this uh, last night, uh, but from Acts chapter 4, verse 29, they prayed, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Right? God's response to their prayer was to fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And actually, Willie Burton experienced that himself, not just personally, but there were times in Africa, he says, and particularly in the years 1920 and 1930, where there was a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a large, gathered number of people, where God would just softly pour out His Spirit. I pray for those times here in our churches. And I do believe, I do believe God is wanting to do that. And uh, that's why I'm stirred by this. Um, because I don't think anything else is going to change this nation. It's not political power that's going to change things in this country. It's the Holy Spirit's power. And the people who are full of boldness and who are going out and doing signs and wonders. Um... You know, the gospel spread from Jerusalem as the church continued to grow. Cities were turned upside down. And the first city outside of Jerusalem was the city of Samaria. And we're told Philip went there because of the persecution. And it's interesting that it, was, it needed the persecution to get the church on track. Jesus had said, you receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But they seem quite content to stay in Jerusalem. And so it needed a persecution. And, uh, and then believers were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria and beyond. And they shared the good news of Jesus wherever they went. And one of them was Philip. And we're told in Acts 8, he went to the city of Samaria. Now, he was a man who had been one of the seven uh, chosen to serve the poor widows in Jerusalem. And one of the reasons why he was chosen was because he was known to be full of the Holy Spirit. And we see the evidence of that in Acts 8 when he gets to Samaria uh, because of the persecution. Let's just read what it says in uh, first, verse 6. First of all, it says, When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. See, there we have it again, don't we? That's the pattern, it seems. We see that over and over. There are signs, healings, Crowds gather, people get interested, people are paying attention now. Now we've got some then we've got attention because of what the Holy Spirit is doing. And it's no wonder uh, he got their attention because it says, For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. And this impacted the whole city. There was joy in the city because of what God was doing there. And in verse 12 then it says, But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Right? They came to believe. They were baptized, both men and women. Right? Again, that's the pattern. Healings, signs, wonders, attention of people preaching the good news of Jesus, right? And then we read this in verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, that's an amazing statement right there, right? That Samaria had accepted the word of God. This had a major impact. Uh, they sent, it says, Peter and John, the apostles there from Jerusalem, presumably to check out what was happening. I mean, this hadn't happened before outside of Jerusalem. It says, when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized. These were believers who were being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, had not yet received the Holy Spirit, and so Peter and John placed their hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. Right? Think about that. I don't know how Peter and John uh, observed or how they knew that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. We we know that in order to believe, we have the Holy Spirit. At work in us, make, is the, we're born of the Spirit. We're made alive to Christ by the Spirit, right? We have the Spirit dwelling in us, but there is this power, you see. That's what we see through the book of Acts. There is this power that is needed for service, for, for the mission. And 
Peter and John were diligent about laying hands on each one to make sure that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, that they received the Spirit in the way that they had, in the way that Willie Burton had. Because, you see, it's foundational for the mission of the church so that this gospel, the good news of Jesus, could continue to go out further and further and further. And so, what this tells me is, you know, we need to be diligent about us praying for ourselves and our churches to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, I know I sound like a crack record today, Bill, but... And, I know you are, Dave, I know you are. Um, but this, so often, I think, um, it gets put on the back burner or, you know, other things take priorities and somehow... We've got to figure out how we help people to come into the fullness of the Holy Spirit where we are exercising gifts of the Spirit and pray for boldness. I want us to pray for boldness as we go now. That God would give us boldness and opportunity because, you know, we, we talk about healing, don't we? And, and we believe in healing, but so often the context for us is in the church, in the church meetings. But actually, the Lord is wanting to take it out there. Because that's where we see it. Most of the healings we see in the Gospels and the Book of Acts is, is out there. It's for the mission. It's the kingdom of God coming, touching people's lives, opening their lives to the Gospel, to the good news of Jesus. It's so on us to pray for boldness that God would give us um, power by the Holy Spirit and boldness. He would stretch out his hand because he's the only one who can do it to perform these signs and wonders but through us as we take steps of faith as we step out in boldness and pray for folks, pray for the sick and who knows what might happen. I just believe that God is wanting to do that through his church uh, in these days. I believe it's Jesus' strategy for world evangelization for changing lives and communities because he said you will receive power when the spirit comes upon you that you'll be my witnesses um, nothing else is capable of changing our society as I said it's not political power that's going to change things in this country it's the Holy Spirit's power and a church that is full of the spirit and emboldened to go out and do the works of Jesus so will you stand with me now? And I pray for leaders here as well. I mean to take this back to your churches. Talk about it in your leadership teams. How do we make this possible in terms of praying, laying hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. New believers coming in. You know, the people may be being Christians for years. But let's pray for ourselves right here. Lord Jesus, as we've been hearing Lord, in these days here, you are on mission to reach 
a lost world. To bring many into your family. Lord, all these lost kids, orphans, out there, broken lives, people who are far from you, but you are on a mission to reach them, Lord. People like Willie Burton, as a young man, no interest in spiritual things, but you arrested him. And Lord, you've sent us your church. And we just want to respond again, Lord, to the word last night and say, Lord, here am I. Here are we, these churches here, our family of churches here together. Here are we, Lord, send us. Send us, Lord. I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you come now? Lord, I pray for each one of us here. Let this be a new day. The day of your spirit. Breaking out, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would give each one of us boldness, Lord. Boldness through your spirit, Lord. Lord, that we may be shocked, like Willie Burton, Lord. That we might do something so reckless. I pray that Lord, we would experience what it is to be compelled by the Spirit. Yes. Compelled by the Spirit. Yes. To reach out and touch someone. To pray for someone. To pray for someone who's sick. Oh Lord, give us boldness to do that. And will you, Lord, stretch out your hands to perform, Lord, miraculous signs and wonders. Through your holy servant, Jesus. Through the power of your Spirit in us, Lord. Lord, would you do that for your glory, for the sake of the lost, Lord, in this nation and all throughout this world, wherever you may send us, Lord. Lord, I pray, oh God, that we would go in the power of your Spirit. Lord, I want to pray for us as we go from this place now. Lord, I pray, oh God, let your Spirit, Lord, burn within us, each one. Lord, I pray this is something It's not going to just be a talk. I pray an impartation, Lord, right now. Lord, I pray for an impartation, Lord, of faith, Lord. Of, of, Lord, just new expectations of how you might use us. Lord, how you might work in our churches, Lord. Lord, a new day there, Lord. Lord, where your spirit is breaking out. We pray for outpourings of your spirit upon whole companies of people. You've done it in the past, Lord. You're doing it in other parts of the world today. Will you do it here, Lord? Will you do it with us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. We pray in our gatherings as we gather on Sundays, Lord. Or in, uh, Lord, in prayer meetings. We pray, oh God, for those sovereign times where your spirit comes, Lord. Lord, we pray, please, Lord, for the sake of of the lost and for your great namesake for your glory Lord would you do it in these days oh God impart that into us Lord in our in our innermost beings Lord in our innermost beings I don't know how you are feeling that right now right in my innermost being I just feel this stirring and I believe that others are here right now Lord I pray oh God come Holy Spirit impart this Lord impart this to each one power Power by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Receive power through the Spirit. Be emboldened through the Holy Spirit. Oh God, now use us, Lord. 
Lord, we are nothing. Humble servants. Lord, this is all about you, Jesus. We magnify you. We mag be magnified through us, we pray, Lord. Even as we step out in faith, use us, send us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm trusting this is not going to leave you. It's not going to leave me. We're going to go back. And like Willie Burton, you know, I mean, for a whole year they were meeting just hungry. Hungry. Put a hunger in his soul. D.L. Moody was the same. You know that story, right? I can't stop telling that story. D.L. Moody, I mean, he had a large church there in Chicago. He was doing well. And yet these two elderly ladies, why is it always old ladies who are crying? They listen to God. These two elderly ladies sitting there at the front, you could tell they were praying for him as he's preaching. And so he had to say, what are you praying for? We're praying for you, Mr. Moody. Why? He says, why are you praying for me? Why don't you pray for the saints? Because you need the power of the Spirit, Mr. Moody. He said, why, I thought I had the power. I had the largest churches in Chicago. But right there and then, he says, it put a hunger in my soul. And I began crying out that God would fill me with his Spirit. Well, one day, I was walking down the streets of New York, he said, and the Spirit came upon me. And I had such an experience of God's love, I had to ask him to stay his hand. He said, I went back to preaching. I wasn't doing anything different than I was before. But now hundreds were being saved. Hallelujah. Hundreds were being saved. And that, that released the ministry on both sides of the Atlantic. He came to England. The result of people like Dion Moody and his friend Tori preaching there in the power of the Spirit. Young men like Willie Burton, C.T. Studd, others went out all over the world. It's through the power of the Spirit. Dion Moody said, before I got filled with the Spirit like that, I felt like I was carrying water all the time. It's like hard work. Ministry is hard work. Now, he says, I've got a river that carries me. That was the difference. So, Lord, let that river carry us from this place. Amen? There's got to be a song that we can close with.